It's the Hedonistic Way podcast. It's a way of life. It tastes like freedom. It's the most divine microcosm. Mind blowing. It's a revolution. Heart wide open. Liberated love. It's liberated love. Conscious conversations. Conscious conversations. The exhilarated expansion of self. Sacred sexuality. Call it whatever you like. All I know. Is it, is it feels, feels amazing. amazing? It's the most decadent way. It's the most decadent way to live life. Intimate and intuitive conversations with epic humans who are disrupting the status quo and living a life with stereo untypical success. Hello and welcome to the Hedonistic Way at Midday Show. I am Renee Main and I am about to introduce you to a woman who is throwing a big fat bomb into how we think we should do business and creating a course of action that is conducive to our soul service. She's not your usual formula for the feminine. She is a formula to the feminine that we have forgotten. She's more of the, I'm gonna ignite a firecracker up your ass type of feminine. She's as fierce as fuck, completely unapologetic, a little bit random, and a whole lot of brilliant. She is turning the heads in the business world as she works with visionaries in the most unorthodox way, which is just the way I like it. She is giving conformity and the masks the bird. Welcome to the show, Jessica Ann. Thank you so much for that intro. I was thinking, who's she talking about? <laughs> it was every now and again I write one and I'm like, I have this feeling, it's like, can I say that out loud? Like, oh, and now I just go with it because, you know, it seems a little bit left of centre, but that's okay. Oh, I absolutely love it. And if nothing else, I hope to be a permission piece for full expression. So absolutely adore that you lent in and went for it. Beautiful. I want to ask you about, I feel like you're bringing like a really unique piece to that feminine what what do I want to say? That feminine that we've forgotten. That feminine that, you know, I think that we're really beginning to now just birth and get a, a better, a deeper understanding of what that means. And I really feel like you're bringing in something new in terms of what that is. So I'm really curious to hear what's alive in you around that. Absolutely. The feminine is my journey to reconnecting with my own feminine has been a lot of the catalyst of the work that I do. I guess much like most of us, it's often through our own initiation that we tend to find what our, our soul's work is. Yeah. So for me, I grew up as somebody that had a deep degree of disconnection from my feminine to, to a certain extent. Uh, I actually grew up with some degree of gender dysphoria. I actually suspected at some point that I may have been transgender, uh, even in terms of artists, voices that identified in a more broad sense. I really struggled to find feminine voices that I resonated with. Yeah. 
Uh, and I remember in my, my mid-teens, that was also when I discovered people like Sylvia Plath and these people that had this real different flavour and texture of what a feminine voice in literature would be. Or I should explain a bit of context. I'm a bit of a, a nerd in that regard. I love literature and all those pieces. Arts is a huge part of what lights me up. And generally speaking, our art was always a reflection of our culture. So it's always a really great pulse point to reconnect. So in that respect, I continued on with that journey of rediscovering my connection to my own feminine. What did it mean for me? Like, because eventually I got to a point where I'm like, no, I'm not transgender. I'm a woman. It's just I don't identify with a lot of what we've been told it is to be a woman, what it is to be feminine more collectively, because masculine, a man or woman, we all have our own feminine nature. And starting to follow the threads of these feminine voices that I did connect with, these voices of the counterculture, like people like Vivian Westwood. And, you know, I, again, fashion design, all these pieces, but these women that were able to really turn femininity on its head, so to speak, in terms of what the cultural narrative is being fed, fed through to us. In much the same way, in the last few years, I'm noticing more of an integrated feminine approach in business being something that is becoming more commonplace and yet what I was observing is again this narrative this cultural depiction of what it means to be feminine about you know this space of just being uh I guess passive more than anything um being what was popularized so it's like, well, actually, if you actually go deeper into those layers of the feminine and how the feminine has been portrayed throughout history, we have a lexicon of feminine archetypes that are absolutely in their power and are willing to to fight for what they believe to be true and what they believe to be worth it. You know, people like Lilith, obviously, again, often these figures have been demonized throughout history. So like people like Lilith, like Kali Ma, all of these figures that were really uh, representative of the other side of the feminine mm. and how it actually also stands for this uh, destruction and rebirth. Yeah. Mm. You know, what just popped up for me is I actually, you know, when you speak about the archetypes and that, you know, what's been, you know, what's been popular and I often say like whitewashed with <laughs> with femininity but when just then when you spoke I actually realized I went you know what like I'm in my head I was kind of thinking about all the archetypes and I don't feel like there's one feminine archetype that actually depicts the perception of this whitewashed femininity Mm. absolutely I'd agree with that I think it's just it's what's um palatable yeah. more than anything if we're actually able to it's kind of understanding that inherently there's always two sides of every coin yeah. no one person or no one thing is entirely good or entirely bad yeah. and it's been what has suited the narrative what has suited the the way that we've wanted to for things to run that we've you know perspective is everything yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely and that's and that word passive you know I think that you know, for me, when I look at like, you know, when I feel into like that deep, dark feminine, like passive doesn't even come into the equation. 
Mm, you know, she might be soft and gentle or, you know, she might be, you know, nurturing, but passive, I don't know. I don't know. Hugely. It's like it's even if we turn to nature, it's the mother bird that is also willing to push the bird out of the nest in order for them to gain their wings. Like, I mean, if we took that entirely out of context, it's like, oh, that's a terrible mother. Yeah. Well, no, actually what she's doing is empowering her her offspring to gain its own independence. So it's understanding that uh, the feminine gets to be both. Mm, mm. I'm just, I'm just like, it's just sinking in, right? And it's just that feeling of, and, and I'll say it just because it's on my mind. So just this morning with, one of my daughters, you know, she was, she didn't want to go to school because she had this like thing that, um, you know, she was wanting to avoid <laughs> essentially. And so my partner was up first. And so he's having this conversation, but it's very like, you know, it's very easy to go, you want to make it okay. And you want to speak for them. And so I walk out and I'm like, did you use your voice? Did you articulate exactly what you needed and exactly what you needed from them in that moment? And she's like, mm, no. So I'm like, okay, well, that's what you need to do. You know, <laughs> it's, I'm finding that, you know, I'm, and it could be perceived as quite harsh, right? Is because I'm like, no, I'm not going to do this for you. Because I think about that child, that woman, Yes. It needs to own her expression and demand what she wants and needs from people, you know. And um, I feel like that's important and that's been forgotten. Yeah. Mm. Why is that important in business, do you think? I know that you work with visionaries and you work with fierce business people. So why do you think this element is really important in business and how we serve today? There are so many layers that I could take that on. <laughs> so just, I, I guess I'll start at speaking to a more tangible, practical piece that I think most people could relate to is that ultimately business has been ran for the masculine energy. It's been this idea of we, we penetrate or we execute. And it's this idea of somewhat of a more and often, and oftentimes, it'll be more of a force-driven uh, energy behind business. Whereas, if we begin to integrate more of this feminine side of business, we're then actually being able to surrender, which is different to pa- submission. It's different energy again. It's not passive. It's this capacity to actually be able to allow for things to come to us, as opposed to always being in this need to penetrate. And the beautiful thing about being in that allowance and being in that surrender is it again creates more of a culture like what you were saying there with your daughter. It allows other people to step into their power as well because it's now in a more of a co-creative type of environment as opposed to needing to exert power over. And that's not to say all masculine expression is power over. I would say that the expression of masculine in business we've had until quite recently has been an unhealthy expression. Uh, so this is where once we understand that a more healthful expression of a masculine energy involves an integrated feminine, we then allow for this business to be something where everyone is thriving. Our clients are thriving. We're thriving. 
because we're no longer needing to force or push. And the tangible piece, and I'm sure a lot of people that are very driven will have identified with this, is that burnout. The culture, we're always taught, you know, that force, that push, that penetrate we need to get. If it's to be, it's up to me type culture inevitably leads to people just burning themselves out. So if we're able to understand that it's the ebb and the flow, the masculine and the feminine, aligned action and being in receptivity, we're naturally working with the flows and the cycles of how nature works. And how do we begin? Because I feel like there's a common perception around, you know, particularly in business that, you know, if you're receiving or if you're in flow, if there's this element where it seems like it's, it's inactive, it's not proactive, you know, and it's deemed as weak. You know, ultimately it's under that umbrella that, it, that it's less than. How can we move into just like, you know, as you said, like working with the seasons, working with the elements, working with the ebbs and flows, like what does that flow, what does that journey even look like? It's quite ironic, especially, and I 100% hear what you're saying. There is this misconception that it's somehow weak. Yet time and time again, when I work with people, even again, also in my own journey, one of the hardest things to do is to stop. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's quite hilarious. It's almost like because of the stigma around what it means to stop and this perception of it's weak, it actually takes tremendous courage and strength because there's almost a degree of narcissism involved to believe that we're the only people and energy involved with what it is that we're creating. There's so many different elements to it. So it's this part of what would happen or what gets to happen here for me to get out of the way. Mm. So that's a big part of it. So yes, showing up in aligned action, but sometimes aligned action actually means being able to go back, cultivate your own life force, be in the stillness enough so that we're taking appropriate action rather than action for action's sake. And I mean, there's common warning signs of when we're approaching these thresholds and limits. This is a lot of the work that I do is actually teaching people what those thresholds look like, Mm -hmm. because so often we're so desensitized to our own bodies and our bodies are really our connection to the feminine. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Can you share with us what, uh, and uh, because I agree, like it's such an important piece and I just, I love that term that you use, you know, we're desensitized to it, like that is so apt and that's so true. What are some of these markers and indicators that that people can look out for? Perfect. So depending, and this is going to really depend on each individual and their level of connection or disconnection, yeah. which even the word disconnection is problematic because the connection is still there. It's essentially just like a plugging back in. Yeah. However, one two most common ones for people all across the globe regardless of how connected you are getting sick so this like you know just a cold and flu generally is a sign that it's time for renewal time for rest like as uh, some of you may be aware we've just passed through the solstice portal through the 20th to the, the 22nd of june sort of like when we're in the solstice which is actually in australia is a time for uh, it's winter so it's actually a time for deep reflection So every other person that I'm speaking to now is like, you know, if they haven't taken the appropriate rest or haven't had the time to rest, 
they've got head colds, everyone's getting congested, all those pieces. It's like, yes, well, it's the winter. Like it's actually also our winter and a lot of people are fighting against it. So head colds are a common one. Um, also fatigue. Just that sense of I'm so tired all the time. So true. So, so true. And that's, you know, what comes up for me in that, and I was saying to you before, you know, it's <laughs> before we went live is I'm like, I'm so snotty. And you're like, it's solstice. And that's, and I was saying to my partner this morning, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, like it's, you know, like it's, you know, I'm ending, it's the end of the term here for me. So all of my program, we break for, we break for the term. And so everything is kind of rounding up. So I really hear and appreciate what you're saying here. And, you know, and it's that time. And, you know, my partner was like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm like, no, like, no, it's like, it's good. Like, it's my body going, yeah, like, this is where we're at. Like, this is wind down time. This is, you know, letting this cycle close. But there is a real, um, what's the, like, it's, um, it's even like we just say it without even really thinking about what it actually means in the body. You know, it's like it's if like if you're sick or you're tired or it's this, it's like, oh no, that's horrible. And I'm like, is it horrible? Like I don't feel like it's horrible. Is it just me? Like I feel like it's this common perception that illness is and again, like as you were saying before, that illness, stillness and nurturing is bad I'm like no it's actually really beautiful <laughs> I think it's it you you I really appreciate the perspective you bring to that it's interesting because often it feels like we are at war with ourselves in that way it's this idea of how inconvenient that my body should check out on me right now and it's, again, it, it relates back to what we were talking about before, that paradigm of the force and the push and the, the consistent need to be doing. Uh, once we actually begin to understand that our bodies are actually one of the most intelligent uh, barometers to actually what's going on for us on so many different levels, uh, we can actually start to begin to understand that the cues from the body are actually allowing us to know where to go next. Yes, yeah, exactly. So true, so true. I want to ask you, I've got like these like questions floating about my head and I'm like, oh, which one do I want to go to first? So <laughs> I want to I ask you, I'm curious because it's like I've been thinking about it just in the last 24 hours a lot. And that is you mentioned the body just now and, you know, and that connection to the body. And I absolutely agree, you know, with everything that you said there. So I'm curious to ask you, do you think that embodiment can really happen without the sexuality piece? Interesting. Can embodiment really happen without the sexuality piece? Hmm. So... Yes and no. Yeah. Because and I can see why you're you've been pondering over that because innately we are sexual beings, you know, our, our true nature, you know, we we're all come from an orgasm, surprise. Uh it's innately that's what the creation of life comes from, sexual energy. It's from life force energy. Yeah. And 
to be uncomfortable with our own sexual nature, there is always going to be a degree of dissociation out of the body. Because to be brutally honest, a lot of how I, I gauge where I'm going next and, and how I interact with people and what feels most truth, truthful is actually through arousal. And that's not necessarily sexual arousal, but quite often in culture, what we're taught arousal means is it's it's sexual. It's like, no, it's just a shift in your life force. Exactly. The more comfortable you can be with your sexual nature and more comfortable with uh, all of that part of yourself, the more comfortable you can be with the cues within your body. So, yes, sexuality 100% is a, such a critical part of being able to reach a depth of embodiment. And I believe embodiment can start without having to start sexuality first. Yeah. I almost feel that quite often that's kind of where we get thrown into the deep end, especially for people that do hold a lot of sexual trauma or uh, have been indoctrinated into a lot of ideas around what it means to be a sexual being. Starting embodiment at the sexuality end can be just, yeah, like throwing somebody into the deep end. It's like kind of like sink or swim, and especially that's where those trauma-informed spaces are so critical. Yeah. So embodiment can begin without sexuality and to truthfully reach the depth of it, inevitably sexuality will come up <laughs> thank you that's and I know that was probably like a really big bomb just to like throw at you like it was a big question so I really appreciate it no I loved it it was a great question I was like wow that is such a good question that's so I was like right how do I actually give this the space and level of answer that that question deserves yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> without knowing that it was even coming or any time to think or ponder it whatsoever so hat off to you because it was incredible <laughs> um the other thing I wanted to ask you is um working with visionaries and I feel like there's like this new change this new thread what are you seeing coming through now with what is the importance, what are the pieces, what's the thread that's coming through in the visionaries that you're working with today? I think there is so much more concern for collective impact or ecology, and that's not to say that there never was. However, I feel that the, the concern for ecology is on so many more levels than I believe previous, like, you know, if you think back to entrepreneurs that have really been able to make a big stamp on the world in the last 20, 30 years, you know, there were revolutionaries, visionaries in certain bandwidths within society. It's like, you know, this is a technological revolution or this is, and I'm just going to reference someone like Elon Musk, because even though he's someone that obviously is a lot of controversial, um, he's a very controversial figure, he, you know, he's a perfect example. Here's somebody that is pioneering on so many different fronts. Mm. Mm. And that's the trend that I'm noticing with more and more visionaries. It's this idea of how can I run my business both vertically and horizontally? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. I really agree. And it's like even just within myself, like being in business, how I showed up and seeing business like 14, 15 years ago, is totally different to how I show up and serve now. And now, like, it very much so, like, I'm 
equally as dedicated and committed to having a portion and having awareness around, you know, that, you know, for me, it's that social change and social justice piece and commitment that, you know, and um, inclusion and, you know, all of these things. So I really, I really agree with you there. Um, what do you think, like, where do you feel like in, like, communication and marketing and lead generation, I feel like there's a lot of, like, movement at the moment. And, again, I'm just really, like, thinking out loud about stuff that I'm seeing and noticing. <laughs> and so I'm, but I'm really, like, a lot of people are going, eh, not liking it here. Like people like got kind of got ants in their pants a little bit in terms of lead generation and marketing and social media. So there's a lot of change. Where do you see, like what's happening? Like where do you see the, I don't really like to word the trends, but, you know, what's happening before your eyes? Absolutely. It's really funny that you mentioned that because it's 100% where I've been serving people most recently. Yeah. Is in this space of how do we create energetically aligned social media because most of the people that I work with are online entrepreneurs or have a, a big foothold of their business in their online space. So what I'm noticing there, and it's not new, so I feel like it's just the it's that growth curve. It's kind of been coming in for a while and now it's sort of becoming taking that big uptake. And especially when you are more sensitive, you're going to notice it a little bit more early, whereas people are going to really probably be smacked in the face with it quite soon. It's that consumers, buyers, people make buying decisions from a more informed place, whereas in the past it used to be enough for you to be an institution. You know, this is where we used to think about things like the old fake it till you make it. Like, you know, you just need to act the part and then the money will come. All of those pieces or is this idea of, as long as the um, the front of the business looks great, yes. you'll be fine. So and it's like, you know, or it was a heritage brand. It's like, okay, cool. You know, you, you buy a Toyota because it's a Toyota. Uh, it's now when we are engaging and we're, we're working with people and with businesses, it's now people are becoming more and more sensitive to what's behind what's being shown, what's behind what's being said. And like you only need not look no, need not look further than McDonald's, for example. It's like you know this is a company that by and large made its money and made its millions by selling cheeseburgers and toys to children, and now they've actually got a, a salad menu and um, they tell you that their coffee beans are Rainforest Alliance Fair Trade coffee beans, you know, and that's not new news. That's a few years old now. Uh, so consumers are becoming more and more concerned with the what goes on behind the scenes yeah and as we become more sensitive people feel it yeah definitely that's something that I've noticed you know about you know you on socials is you're completely unafraid to show up in your vulnerability and in those pieces that we would never have usually probably said out loud before because we were like oh if I'm in business or if I offer this service, then I could not possibly share anything that might deem me, you know, less than. Um, and I think that that's what you do really honestly and really vulnerably. And um, how, what's that journey been like for you? Like, has there been a line that you've danced with? You know, what's it been for you, that vulnerability piece? 
it's definitely a it's a gift that keeps on giving. Uh, so <laughs> it's that consistently checking back in with yourself. Mm. And it's the it's the come from. Ultimately we create where we come from. So I'm a big believer in the idea of the pendulum. Depending on how far we've we're charged in one way, we generally will swing back the other if we're not um made conscious of it in a way that we can actually work with it and integrate it. So inevitably when I first reconnected with my own experience, I wanted to share things online. It was like, you know, we went into the space of oversharing. It's like, okay, too much. And for me, it was actually really coming back to that place of like, okay, what is this in service to? It's like, am I coming from a space here that I'm wanting validation from my audience in sharing this? Mm. Or is this me empowering other people to see themselves through my story in a space to give them permission to be where they are and to potentially desire something else? Yeah. Big difference, big difference. And that, you know, that was probably like my first piece with vulnerability. And it's funny that you said it because it's like it's knowing the difference between oversharing and vulnerability. They're not the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like that, like I know for me, I was like, you know, yep, chronic oversharer, but thinking that it was vulnerability. And then I'm like, oh, no, it's actually really not. So, yeah, I really get that. And that's, yeah, I really love the importance of what you just said there, that like that, even that question of that intent, you know, asking yourself that I feel like is really important for us as creators to just tap in to that and ask ourselves that question which is really cool um I want to like rewind a little bit and you mentioned something I think it might have even been to my first question is you pondered you know whether you were transgender Hmm. like that's fucking huge. Where do you see that? I mean, and it's a big question. Like, I mean, I know my daughter's schools are, um, they're like one of the first public high schools that are um, bringing in transgender toilets and there's a whole bunch of things happening, which is really amazing to see. And there's really no, I mean, I'm like super generalizing here, but just based off of the people that I see, the conversations that I have with teenagers, like it is so not even like a thing. Like it's not like, you know, when I was growing up, it was like, what? Like, but now it's like, meh. Like it's not even a question. So I'm really just, I feel like that would have been a huge turning point in your life, like just questioning that and realising that, it was the societal perception of what feminine was. Just, I don't know, like what comes up, how did it shape you? Like, what did you learn? Like, and looking back now, can you see the depth of just what a poignant time that was in your path? Absolutely. I think if anything else, it gave me a lot more permission than a lot of people give themselves which sounds like, and again, this is spoken from someone that has absolutely no experience of what it's like to be a genuine transgender individual. 
because, as I said, mine was purely a contemplation from not identifying with traditional gender roles and stereotypes. So for me, my experience is from the lens of a cisgendered woman who questioned what it meant to be feminine. So for me, it was absolutely a really big permission piece to really explore. And like I look at people back throughout history, it's not new, like even people like David Bowie, who's someone that I resonate with a lot. You know, again, someone that really played with the gender lines and, you know, that being able to give yourself, and I, I still do, is this idea of like, if we can give ourselves permission to really explore what it means to be masculine, what it means to be feminine, and all of those pieces, and being that that, again, was something that was brought into my awareness at such a young age, feeling gender dysphoria, it was something that for me has just felt natural. Like, I don't feel like I need to prescribe to looking, being, acting a certain way because I've had given myself that permission to be in that space for such a long time. What would you say to, you know, and there's a lot of, like, different elements of dysmorphia, you know, whether it be body, potentially gender, you know, like it's, you know, it's really so vast. What would you say to anyone who is really feeling that, dysmorphia in whatever way that looks absolutely and I suppose I will just introduce this frame as well I experienced anorexia when I was younger so it is interesting to kind of have that lens to look through as well in terms of dysmorphia and seeing oneself and I think the biggest part that really empowered me, and this was something that I actually learned years later from recovery, yeah. is that you're not your body. Yeah. That's a big piece. Like, as I spoke before, the body, if anything, is a tool. It's a feedback system. Yeah. It's our barometer. Yeah. And we are not our bodies. Yeah. yeah. That can, like, sound really, like, easy. Like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll just do that. <laughs> What does that look like? Like, what would those first steps be for someone? I wish I could say there was like a magic wand solution to that. Like, that would be the ideal situation. And for me, it took really going back into my body, really fully feeling what was in my body, realizing the waves of things that would move out and through my body, and then notice that, oh, all of these things are transient. My body is transient depending on what I eat, how I sleep, how I exercise, that's all transient. And yet there is something that still remains regardless. So it's definitely kind of the only way out is through. Mm, Absolutely. How how do you think that journey gives you, I want to say a wider scope of, how you serve and do business today? I feel like it's just more of a degree of compassion and also an understanding of, again, that that transient nature, like this idea that sometimes we we become so over-identified with where we're at, we're unable to see. This idea of like, you know, this is how it is and this is how it's always going to be and I'm stuck and this is the problem. And when we're in it, it feels very real and it feels very 
permanent and fixed, especially when we're coming up against, well, I've tried this and I've tried that. And, you know, it's, it's that space of trying and failing. Mm. And it can feel like, you know, I'm stuck, that stuckness. So for me, it's always having that, having had many experiences throughout my life of different things that I've gone through that have initiated me into the idea that ultimately this too shall pass. And being able to hold that pole regardless. And this, that's kind of why I feel it's almost short-sighted to build a business as an institution moving forward. Nothing is remaining the same. Like even look at currency and finance. Like, you know, we're in a space now where we've got cryptocurrency, even something that's been an institution for centuries is now being undermined. So it's this understanding that everything shall pass. Yeah, very true. When you work with your clients and, you know, what just, you know, when I was feeling into you, when I was preparing, you know, for today in the show, is I've got a real understanding of, you know, like your gift and your superpower was really about crafting something that isn't necessarily done, but really tapping into like each person, each of your clients' soul path and soul service. And I felt like that was a really, that's really important to you. And so I want to ask you about that. Like what, um, what's the question? So because I feel like, you know, and what's again, like just what's really alive in me at the moment is like I'm thinking about like just how many times we're seeing people regurgitate the same message without the integration, you know, and taking, you know, all of these flavors or whatever it is, but, you know, without taking the time to go, okay, like is this what's coming in from my absolute soul? You know, so what's been, what would you recommend, you know, for the journey? Like if people are unsure about what their soul service actually is, you know, how do they begin to go about exploring that and bringing that to life? I think it's a, a big part of that is actually reconnecting with our joy. Yeah. As simple as that sounds. And kind of understanding that I think we've, we're initiated again into this concept that, of course, those thi things do not come without appropriate action. So it's not like to say like, oh, suddenly I've decided that this is my soul's path and poof, here it is. It's, it's more like the idea of, yes, of course, is aligned action and suffering is not part of that paradigm. Suffering mm -hmm. is a choice. Mm -hmm. So once we understand that, Again, we can go really meta on this. So say, for example, if we just buy into the model, just for ease of explanation here, we buy into the model that our soul has incarnated with a specific purpose. Yeah. Realistically, does that soul's purpose involve suffering? So I think that's a big piece. It's just this idea of like, you know, of course, we can then go into the conversations around karmic debt and all of this piece as well. But even all of that ultimately is about growth. So if we give ourselves permission to trust our joy and trust the undercurrent of where we're being led, that is some of the biggest pieces, that willingness to explore as well. But because one of the biggest things that I'll have people come to me and say is I have no idea why I need to have this conversation and I just knew I needed to speak to you. Great. You trusted. 
now we get to explore what's here. That's so true. And, you know, because I feel like this, like a lot of creatives and, you know, when we're talking like these soul-centred or soul-led, you know, humans that really, you know, really feel called to be of service and to show up. And I find that, you know, there can either be this regurgitation of someone else's beliefs ultimately or it results in a lot of inaction. So what is that? in action you know and how do they begin to dissect that so so on point with that because the other side of it is it's either in action or it's this perpetuation of like a poverty consciousness yeah like how how could i possibly make money from service and again that's just a suggestion that's been imprinted somewhere along the line that we've then taken on to mean that it is good for us to be poor and it is bad for us to make money. Uh, it is good, makes us a good spiritual person to just be an allowance. It makes us a bad spiritual person. It's, it's a good, bad paradigm, ultimately. It's just like, you know, what, what makes me fit the mold? What makes me not fit the mold, ultimately? So a big part of dissolving that is a willingness to be seen, which is, again, coming back to the, the core wounding of the feminine. It's this deep desire to be seen and also this fear of being seen. So it's that permission space to continue to lean into what if I allow myself to be seen? Even when we were sharing before about oversharing, great. If oversharing is a portal that allows you to get to a point of actually experiencing real vulnerability, great, go there. The willingness to be able to be seen in our errors is, is medicine. Yeah, it really is. It really, and without, you know, seeing them as weak or bad or wrong or anything else. And that's, and, you know, and that's where I feel like we're at, you know, there's a lot of talk at the moment in the spirituality space around polarity teachings, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, I don't know, like my perspective is, you know, it's, like, again, like, you know, for me, you know, like I teach in the internship, I, one of the laws is the law of polarity. And for me, it's about moving beyond, beyond the law of polarity, beyond the law of gender, beyond the law of truth, you know. And, you know, because at the end of the day, like these, these laws are mutable. They were designed to change. We were designed to move beyond them, you know. And so I feel like we're at a time where, you know, that spirituality piece where it's like, you know, it's, you know, it's right, it's wrong. If I'm, you know, I don't know, like if something didn't, if I didn't manifest something that I wanted, then maybe I'm not vibing high enough. Like I feel like the wank factor is on extreme for so much of of these teachings. Like what's your, what's your take on that? Because you talk about feminine and masculine a lot but ultimately like we want to move beyond that right hugely it's that idea of one of my favorite um quotes i believe and i'm going to give it i'm going to ascribe it to dane thomas because i heard it from him he may have stole it from someone else uh and essentially he said anything that is languaged is partially a lie Mm. so when I use terms like masculine and feminine, it's because it's things that people can have a framework to build things around. Because essentially that is all that we're ever doing is we're building a framework. And in regards to what you were saying around the wank factor, this idea of 
no failed manifestation, meaning that my vibration isn't high enough. And taking this feedback is ultimately a means to then hammer, you know, beat ourselves up with. It's like, okay, cool. Are you constructing a framework that you're climbing or are you allowing the framework to crush you? So it's that's part of where those laws, like you say, you teach them because they're a framework. And then ultimately all frameworks break down. There is a point at which the system fails. I really love that. And just, you know, like to repeat, you know, what you just said is like, is the framework that you create, is it designed for you to climb or is it designed for you to actually, you know, um, I can't remember what word you actually said, but to fall or collapse, I think you said, you know, and um, that's really important. And that's that integrity piece, right, you know, and not being attached um, or overly identifying, as you so beautifully said before. So that's really cool. Um, what's turning you on at the moment? What's turning me on at the moment? Well, this podcast, for a start, that's not a plug. That's true. Like, I'm really loving being on here and actually the depth of conversation you're bringing. So honouring you for that. Thank you. I'm also being turned on, like I said, about this visionary movement of people serving both horizontally and vertically, this idea of how how can we actually look at the entire ecology of things that that really turns me on. I'm a big I'm a budding budding researcher into Ken Wilber's work. I love all of his integral stuff. Mm. Um, anything about how we can be looking at anything from a more integrated approach speaks volumes to me because that's really the core of core of my work is this idea of the descent of spirit into matter and um, the integration of the masculine and the feminine and ultimately paradox so how can we look at all things in a more integral way uh, and also of course when inevitably that breaks down so yeah that's my major turn-ons at the moment <laughs> I love that like it just you know and it's you know you speak about the integration of that and I really feel like this is like the most important piece that a lot of the time we forget. We forget that integration piece. And then, but you said something just then is like, and ultimately until that collapses, what does that even look like? It's an idea of there is no rules. It's like there's rules until there isn't rules. So it's it's the paradox until there isn't a paradox. And I could it starts to sound a bit trancy if I go any further, so I might stop. Um, <laughs> everyone's just hypnotized. In case you're driving, I'll stop there, people. Um, yeah, so it, it's like I, I spoke to this recently uh, when I was presenting. It's this idea of if we go high enough in the detail, like if we go into abstraction high enough, if we go up to a bird's eye view, more and more and more and more, eventually everything is just a blur. Yeah. And the same way down, if we go so deep into detail, inevitably we also hit a point of abstraction. Yeah. So, and that's even on the cellular level if we want to come back to like the physical world. Yeah. So, like, you know, when we get down to those subatomic realms, like nothing operates the way that we believe it should. So it, it's much the same with in terms of all structures inevitably become nothing. And that's, 
and you know like what I'm seeing when you're speaking is like is ultimately like a cross right and then you know where we are really can determine like you know like are we balanced like if if one portion is essentially like out of whack then it puts the whole thing off Mm. one of my favorite words uh is tensegrity this idea of multi multiple dimensional um push-pull factors what's the word tensegrity i'm gonna look that up yeah, so it's that idea of, and, and ultimately, it's also understanding that balance is illusion. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's that piece of like the pursuit of balance is what creates a lot of that inaction that we spoke to before. Um, and it's it's just that permission piece to, to understand we're going to go so far one way before we're going to need to come back the other. And it's just being proactive about that as opposed to reactive about it that is going to create the level of fallout. So if we're unwilling to be reactive about when we need to come back the other way, that's when we're going to over-identify and create devastation for ourselves. Yeah. That's really cool. I really, really love that. And that's, I don't know, like, do you just go, I find it really exciting times. Like I find it an exciting time to be of service and to know what we know. Like I feel like we're just so friggin' lucky, you know. So I just go, kind of, oh man, like so good. I get excited that you know, like that I'm alive and I'm a part of this pocket of time where we're really beginning to understand these concepts and see, you know, and I get excited for the children and their children, you know, as because what service going to look like then, mm. you know, if we're doing the work to go, okay, like, right, like to break all the rules, to go, it's all bullshit, it's all an illusion, it's all this, and then imagine the playground that they get to play in. It's interesting. It's that kind of understanding that if we look throughout history, it's always these periods of kind of like this and then contraction. It's that ex- probably should speak. Um, expansion and contraction. So it's this idea of understanding that inevitably, like right now, we're at a period of expansion in some areas and contraction in others. And it's it's the balance. It's universal balance. And I think that's what probably the biggest piece where if we can transcend the need to feel as though we need to rescue the world and come from a place of creation for creation's sake, it rapidly shifts how we show up. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what I just got then when I was watching, you know, know, with your hands saying, you know, like we're expanding and we're contracting and we're doing this. And it's like, it's just that, like for me, like that's the feminine, right? Like even like, and if we relate it back to, female bodies like that's that's the that's the woman's body you know traditionally you know that's the perception and I go ah that's like there's a natural curve there's a natural ebb there's a natural flow you know and we identify that as being absolutely beautiful not like given birth yeah and contraction right yeah yeah (laughs) and sometimes that can hurt like hell and Sometimes you can just breathe through it and it's all right. <laughs> Usually. So, you know, they, we go back to the hermetic principles, as within, so without, as above, so below. 
It's like, you know, naturally all humans go through um, evolutions of expansion and contraction, and so do we as collective. So in terms of what's for the next generation and the generations after that, it's just sort of understanding that our role is to be as exactly where we are right now and to create what feels alive and then trust what is for them will be for them. Yeah, absolutely. And less pressure, right? Like, oh, it's like, okay, I can put less, less pressure on myself. Yeah. Hugely. Yeah, absolutely. Jessica, what's happening in your offerings, in your service, what's hot for you right now? So, like, for the people who are like, I am jamming with this chick, what are you, what's on? So, the top two ways to work with me at the moment, I'm offering something called the Green Web Portal, which is a membership service, and essentially that involves two monthly workshops. So, you get to experience me uh, teaching and imparting some wisdom depending on what's current and then i also facilitate a session with my members that's actually working through whatever is alive for them specifically yeah. uh, so i'll sort of choose a collective theme and then it'll be more of a tailored theme to the people in the group yeah. so that's one of the green web of me what does that represent so a lot of the work that i do is shamanic so when i create an idea it's actually being able to tune into the undercurrent so uh I'm just going to say it. So a lot of the work that I do, actually, I have a spider that's one of my animal allies. Yeah. And she's someone that helps me connect with people. So uh, the name of the portal is after her. Ah, cool. Awesome. And if we take it that way, so that's how that came through to me. And I've also since, because this is ten, tends to be what happens, I have an idea come through. I apply my human lens on it. It's like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. And then I'll look at it at six months' time, and this is sort of what's unfolded since the, the portal has come to fruition. It's like, ah, it's like, you know, yes, it was about the spider, and it's also about the fact that this is about all of the webs that the people in this that are involved are weaving with each other as well yeah. and their own unique creations because ultimately the spider is such a powerful representation for feminine creation. She doesn't hunt, she creates, and then she waits. Exactly. exactly. So that's made more sense since. So there's two versions, always two versions. <laughs> and the other one, um, other way for people to work with me, if they're really wanting to get on board with the social media energetic alignment piece, how to show up online authentically with real vulnerability and still make money, uh, I'm running the social media matrix mastermind, which will start at the beginning of um, July. Amazing. So cool. I love everything that you're doing and I really love like I feel like it's just like you've just given this you know like you've given my thread and my socials like this breath of fresh air and I really love how you serve and how you show up and everything that you're teaching so thank you so much for being a part of the show today but just and doing what you do I think that it's such an important piece um that and it's just brilliant it's brilliant to watch it's humbling to just I feel grateful just knowing that there's people like you in the world doing your thing in such a beautiful way so thank you so much beautiful woman thank you honor to be part of your weavings as well mm, thanks gorgeous thank you to everybody who tuned in and I will put all of Jessica's details in the show notes so I will see you really soon everybody bye
Thank you so much for tuning in to this epic conversation. I'm Renee Main and I am over and out for now. However, we can continue this conversation on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash hedonistic queen or jump onto the website reneemain.com.au and you can explore what your own hedonistic way might look like.